Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Second annual Classic Car Cruise, Sunday, August 22nd, 2021, from noon to 3 p.m. at the Easy Storage Ross Township. All proceeds benefit the Berkeley Hills Volunteer Fire, to Fire Company. Details at 937thefan.com. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, as I mentioned, uh, my first guest today is, is Adam Woodard, and he told me a, a funny story uh, a couple different times um, at Oakmont. He said in the travels that he does um, for Golf Week, uh, he's gone on the Pennsylvania Turnpike underneath the bridges at Oakmont, and he kept saying, boy, I'd like to go up there sometime and see that place. Well, sometime was uh, last week. So check that one off for Adam. Adam, good morning. How are you? Mike, so good to talk to you, man. It's been a, you know, long time no see. It's been a bit of a, you know, a bit of a break after, you know, seeing you every single day for a week and now I'm not getting to see you, but now it's good to be on the show. Thank you for having me. i excited to talk a little amateur golf with you today. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we had a good time. Um, it was good, good golf to watch. And and as I said earlier, and, and you deal with these guys every week, or a lot of weeks anyway. Um, I was really impressed with these. I keep calling them kids, and they're not kids, but I I was really impressed with how these guys handled themselves. Mm-hmm. Do you do you see that every week? Yeah, so I, I started covering, you know, the college and amateur beat in 2019 a couple of years ago. And at, at first I was very shocked. You know, the first U.S. amateur I covered was down at Pinehurst, split between, you know, number two and number four there. And just the way those guys were able to attack the course, you know, hold the greens, it, it was really impressive. But the more you see you cover the game, the more you start seeing, like you said, these kids, you know, play at these world-class golf tournaments and these world-class golf courses – and they just tear it up, man. And, like, the, the more you watch it, the, the, the less you get to be amazed by it. But that just shows how deep the game is and how strong this next generation of players is. I mean, for them, to, for a lot of these kids went out. They shot under par at Oakmont. They, they might have only been one under. But a couple different times this week, these kids were out there shooting, you know, under par at Oakmont, which almost none of us listening to this show right now could go out and do. So it, it is incredibly impressive what they're able to do. I try and keep that perspective of, wow, these kids are anywhere from 18 to 21 playing world-class golf courses. 
you know, like the pros, they're mapping their way around, and that just shows how deep the game is. So sometimes I do get a little surprised by it, but, man, when you keep seeing it week in and week out, you know, you kind of get used to it a little bit. And then the other part of it is um, when you interview these these guys, um, okay, maybe polished is is a bit of an exaggeration, mm-hmm. but they're really mature in handling the media or responding to the media. That was one of my big surprises. Yeah, and, you know, a, you know, a lot of these kids that are coming through were, you know, Power 5 golfers, or at least a lot of the ones that made match play. Um, you know, they, these guys and girls, they get media training. You know, their SIDs are talking with them. They're working on interviews, especially a lot of the ones that want to go pro. You know, they take it serious. They see, you know, how much a bad interview can do for – to do for someone's PR just from them being fans and watching golf. So, I mean, you're right. A lot of them are, poly, you know, like you said, polish might not be the exact word, but right. they've at least had training. But I was, like like you said, I was blown away by a lot of the people this week, especially your boy Mark Getz, the, uh, the medalist, the local local Pittsburgh guy, you know, grew up, what, like 30 minutes down the road probably, yep. uh, where, where Mark was from. He was impressed to talk to all week. He was open. He was honest. But the one thing that blew me away, and I know you were out there with us too talking to him, like, he talked about, you know, his struggles in college and how he had to really, you know, grind his way at West Virginia and how he was actually pulling out stuff from that to get through the U.S. Amateur. And I just thought that was awesome. Talking to him all week was incredible. You know, his, just how excited he was to be at the event and to be able to, to be a medalist at Oakmont. Of course, he's played, you know, dozens or so times. Um, but you're right. It's, it's, talking to the guys, they, they know how much it means. And that's what the greatest thing about seeing Pi at the winner seeing how much it meant to him to have his teammates, his family and friends there that made the trip. The U.S. Amateur holds such high respect in everybody's eyes here. And being able to see it play out at a place like Oakmont made it just that much more special this week. And you could hear it with the, with the way that the, the guys were talking about it for sure. And it was, it was hilarious almost how his rooting section grew between yeah. Friday night and Saturday, or Saturday night and Sunday, all of a sudden there were Michigan State people everywhere. Absolutely, yeah, and like it's, you know, everyone kept talking about Austin Greaser, you know, the the other the other guy in the final, you know, growing up in Dayton, only four hours away, you know, I think he had probably fifty, sixty plus people with him by the time he teed off in the afternoon on 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 Sunday. A bunch, he probably had thirty or forty that morning on Sunday, and a yep. bunch made the trip for the final day, but. Yeah, if you, if you started looking around the crowd early on uh, on Sunday morning, there was a lot of green and a lot of white out there. Yes, you know, he had almost all of almost all of his Michigan State teammates. Four girls from the uh, from the women's team were there, including two past semifinalists, the U.S. Women's Amateur. Something's going on in East Lansing, Mike. Something's going on over there. Sure, seems like it. Um, so tell tell me, and this isn't something that that we talked about. Um, you said you've been been covering the amateur slash collegiate beat for a couple years now. Mm-hmm. Um, is I'm trying to figure out how to how to say this. Is it that beat? Is that considerably better than call it, than than covering like the PGA Tour, for example? In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. The the one way that it absolutely is better that you get to see play out, just like the U.S. Amateur college tournaments, there aren't very many ropes around. You can pretty much walk wherever you want on a lot of these courses. 
And the way the college game keeps when they're playing some really nice country clubs and some really nice places, Mike, let me tell you, I have been blessed to go cover some golf in some incredible places. I've got to walk some fairways and some greens and go inside some clubhouses that, you know, I might have never had the opportunity to had I not covered golf. So, uh, and it's, it's, it's a lot more relatable, especially covering the women's game. And I think that's, that's something a lot of people don't quite understand. I was at the women's amateur up at uh, Westchester Country Club in, in Rye, New York, the week before the men's amateur last week. And watching them play and seeing the way they plop their way around the golf course, seeing how accurate they are. Mike, those girls don't miss fairways. A lot of the guys here, you know, they hit the ball so long and so far, it's tough to control it when you're hitting it 300-plus yards. These girls did not miss fairways. They were automatic hitting hybrids into greens and holding the greens. And it's a lot more relatable. A lot of my numbers are pretty close to what these college kids are hitting. So to see, you know, the way you're supposed to plot your way around a golf course and to see them actually do it, it's, it's, it's truly impressive. And it's, it's a lot more relatable than watching the pros launch balls 300, 320 yards and just hitting driver wedge into every single green. It's a lot more, you know, relatable way to watch golf. Now, can it be as exciting as watching the pros? No, obviously not. These kids aren't as talented, but I would say the talent gap now between, you know, the lower level or average tour player – and the best college player, I mean, it's never been closer. So I, I would say that's where the, the similarities are. But as far as is it better or worse, I, I think I enjoy it a lot more, believe it or not, yeah. yeah I, I covered uh, the tour for seven years mm-hmm. and did, I don't know, sometimes seven, eight tournaments, depending on where the, the majors were and all that kind of yeah. thing. Um, you could see where from a media standpoint, if you were out there very long, you could become jaded. Yeah. Because those guys are tough. I mean, you know, yeah. they're, they're not worried about impressing anybody um, about media and that kind of thing. They just, they just want to do what they want to do, and they can be difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that, I think that's the one thing that, you know, the, the, the college kids aren't, not, not very many are difficult. And I think that's the one misconception I had about golf in general coming into this job. You know, like, you know, before I joined golf week, I was with USA today, just covering, you know, general sports for five years, six years. So I got to talk to a lot of professional athletes and, you know, you get to meet a lot of people, but coming into this, you know, just golf specifically, it's a country club sport. You think a lot of the people are going to be stuffy, you know, maybe not as open, but that's, what's been impressive. And like, you know, going back to your point earlier about how, how great it was talking to the players all week long. You know, I think that's what really separates the college game too. And that's what, that was one of the, 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 the points that made me want to take the job was, you know, these kids, they're looking for anybody to cover their sport. You know, when you think about college athletics, you're thinking college football, you're thinking college basketball, maybe college baseball at Omaha. You're not, you're not thinking or watching a whole lot of college golf, but you know, I will give a shout out to, you know, our colleagues over at the golf channel and all my guys over there. You know, what, what they've been able to do to, bro- to broadcast more amateur and college golf is awesome. Those tournaments are so fun to watch. They're only going to the big ones. So if they're at somewhere and if you're seeing college golf on TV, tune in. It's impressive to watch to see what these kids do. But, yeah, the, the access that you get covering this game, as soon as they're done with scoring, they're fair game. Whereas, you know, I'm in the tour life, you can't just go up and, you know, talk to anybody. You know, you got to you gotta get it cleared by their, by their people. The tour have to bring them to you. You know, there's a lot of hoops you got to jump through. In college, you maybe have to talk to an SID, but, you know, usually a lot of the time it's fair game. So 
the access is so, so different. The players are so, so, so different. But I think that's what makes it such a unique beat to cover, and that's why I'm, I'm really happy that uh, you know, I'm the one that gets to do that for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned earlier about the, this um, new wave of players that mm-hmm. are coming into college now. Um, by comparison, here in Western Pennsylvania, we have a pretty strong contingent of top-level players. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Getz, for one. Um, Palmer Jackson plays at Notre Dame. Um, you know, we have some strong, quality kids. But what's what's impressed me even more, and this tells you where the sport is, is it the next group is coming and these younger kids that we have out here, they're pretty good too. Mm -hmm. So in a couple more years, we could have another wave of, of these elite players. And that's something that hasn't happened in a while. And it's, it's pretty cool to watch. For sure. Yeah. And it's, and I, I'm just putting on, you know, my, 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 my prediction cap here. I think it's only going to keep getting better and better, and it's only going to keep getting more exciting and exciting. I mean, looking back at, you know, a lot of the people that have won the U.S. Amateur, maybe it doesn't really it, – it, it, it shows you how deep the game is. You know, only four of the last ten players have been ranked inside – or only four of the last ten winners have been ranked inside the top ten in the world. You know, other guys you're seeing, you know, uh, Pyatt last week was ranked 86th. You know, last last year's winner, 56. Andy Ogletree in 2019 at Pinehurst, 120th. You know, Doc Redman was 70th when he won in 2017. You know, there's a guy ranked 776, Gun Yang, in 2014. The game is deep, and there's a lot of people who can compete for a week and who can go out and win. And they're going to see a guy, and especially a lot of the local guys in Western PA, like you were talking about, to keep it more specific to you. They're going to see a guy like Mark Getz work hard. They're going to they're going to see the stories about him you know, being from, what, Greensburg, and they're going to see, you know, it takes a lot of work to get there, but, I mean, after just going to West Virginia, which isn't a golf hotbed at all, like, that's not a place where a lot of great players are coming from, but yet he was able to go out and be the medalist at the U.S. Amateur. They're going to see that. They're going to draw inspiration from that. These kids all know each other in junior golf. Junior golf is such a tight-knit group, a tight-knit community. All these kids are friends. Sure, they go to rival colleges eventually, but they grow up playing the game together. They love playing practice rounds together. The cool thing about the U.S. Amateur is it's 312 players, most of whom know each other, are friends, just watching them interact on the range. You know, guys are going around, you know, dapping each other up, fist bumps all flying around, you know, everyone's talking, enjoying each other. The, the, the practice round in the first two days of the AM are so much fun because it's just a big, you know, convention basically for all these kids that grew up playing golf together. And then they get to go do it and compete for a national championship. It's awesome to see. And I think the more that, you know, you, your, your local guys keep having success, it's only going to breed more success for the area. And I think that's going to say a lot about, about Western PA golf, and it's going to put Western PA golf on the map, I think, here in the near, very near future. Well, Mark was a stroke or two from getting into the NCAA individuals this year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he was right there. And, yeah. Uh, there are kids at Hannestown Golf Club where he belongs and Palmer Jackson uh, belongs and they have like this powerhouse membership of, of really good amateur players. But there are kids there, the younger ones who now 
come to Mark and come to Palmer for advice and help. Mm -hmm. And they give it to them. And, you know, that just continues, <laughs> continues the circle, you know. And that's, that's really cool to see because I don't know if that's the case in all of sports. Yeah, I think it's it's a very golf specific thing. You know, golfers want to help each other. You know, seeing good golf shots breeds good golf shots. Seeing success in golf is going to breed success in golf. You watch guys from an area you're from, you know, play well on a national level like that. You know, and, and uh, you know, be in control of his match for for most of the way too. He probably should have won that first match and not been bounced in the round of 64. You know, he just it, it started leaking a little oil late, and that's what's going to happen, especially in match play, which I think is what one thing that makes the USAM so exciting. But yeah, these guys know each other. They all want to improve. They all want to get better. You know, they just they just love playing golf, man. And it's and it's so pure. And it's like going to talking about the differences between amateur golf and the tour. Seeing guys, you know, play for the love of their state, like, you know, like, like James Pyatt did, you know, he was so excited to be able to represent the state of Michigan and Michigan State. Seeing that Mark, you know, feeling, talking about the pressure and having a, I mean, he had a couple hundred people following him around in his first match. And like, he had by far the biggest gallery of the week and he was not the biggest name of the week. There were a lot more bigger names, guys that project more to have bigger tour careers that were out there that people could have gone and following, but no, they want to follow the local kid. They want to see him play well. It was, it was awesome to see last week. I, I, I am just, just beaming with a smile, even thinking about the stuff that we got to witness last weekend. You know, and like you said, it's only going to keep getting better. You know, these, these kids all want to help each other. They all want to get better. And I, I think, you know, it's only going to put a, a better product out there for all of us to watch luckily over the next couple of years, for sure. Wasn't it uh geezer, the guy who lost in the, um, in the finals who said, about the crowd that was out there following him. He said, I've never seen that many people on a golf course. He said, I yeah. got caught up in the, in the crowd and I couldn't find my caddy. He said that the only way I knew where I was going was I kept trying to find the flag stick. <laughs> and it yeah. was, there were, I couldn't believe how, how big that crowd was following that match. Yeah, it was, and comparing it to, to USAMs of the past that didn't make it to Bantam last year um, with COVID and travel stuff going through, but at Pinehurst in 2019, similar crowds. I, I think, if anything, there were more people there at Oakmont on Sunday than there were, than there were at Pinehurst over the weekend. So there were there were so many people that came out, and I think part of that is because, you know, it's a, it's a free chance to walk around Oakmont without any, you know, without, without any ropes. You know, that's, it's an opportunity I would have taken, too, if I lived in the area. I think more people need to do that for – for these amateur and junior golf championships, you can basically walk wherever you want down the fairways and you, you can get really close to the players and you can see golf up close and personal in a way that you're just not going to be able to see, you know, anywhere else. But it, it's just seeing those crowds out there and also seeing how, seeing how the guys reacted, you know, in that, you know, I, I, I think a, a line that I like to say a lot is, you know, in match play, there's a big difference between a good match and a close match. That morning 18 that we had was a close match. It was not a good match. And I think a lot of that was the guys trying to get used to, to the crowds and get used to it. I mean, they teed off with, you know, the Havemeyer Trophy and the U.S. Open Trophy right next to them. You know, guys aren't used to that kind of pressure. You know, sure, they've been able to plan some big college events, but when you got a couple hundred people standing around you and you got people lining the greens that you're hitting to, if you're not used to that, and most of these kids aren't because – very few people actually go out to watch college events. It's gonna. It takes some getting used to, and we saw that in the final match, and it was kind of refreshing to see that. Like, 
how, you know, how much it meant to the kids and how big that moment truly was. You could kind of see it in their play, but the way they were able to settle down and just, you know, fire back at each other in the afternoon was just incredible to watch, you know, seeing whatever flip or switch got flipped during that hour or so long break in between the matches. It was awesome to see, you know, the way they were able to come out and, you know, attack a, a very difficult Oakmont course in the afternoon. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, the only, the only drawback for me was that, uh, on that new schedule that the uh, USGA unveiled for Oakmont, there's not another USM uh, on that schedule through 2049, and that's too bad because I think that was a that was a really good USM course for them. I agree. Yeah, I think it was a it was a perfect test for amateur golf. You know, it's obviously. You know, Oakmont has, you know, really deep ties, you know, nine U.S. Opens, yeah. I think. You know, it's now hosted six U.S. Amateurs, which ties it with Marion, you know, on the other side of the state and the country club for, for the most ever. I mean, the U.S. Amateur and, and Oakmont go hand in hand. Uh, and that's why it was I was really lucky. And like you said earlier with the lead-in, you know, I've made that drive going from, you know, either covering golf or driving from, you know, where I live in D.C. now to where I, you know, where I grew up in Ohio. I've driven under Oakmont hundreds of times, always, you know, never gotten to go up the hill, but I finally did this week for it. And it was perfect to be, I'm glad it was for an amateur tournament because it's the course just weeds out the best players. And I think when, when it, when we can down to it, we had the two best players of the week, maybe not the two best players on paper, but last week Oakmont did a great job in weeding out the rest of the field to get the two best players of the week. And that's what we saw. Is it a bummer that we're not going to get another USAM there, you know, up until 2050 with that announcement? Sure. That said, the club's going to host the Walker Cup in 2033 and the 2046 U.S. Women's Amateur. I'm not exactly thrilled that I have to wait 15 years to see amateur golf there again with the women, um, but man, it's it's going to be exciting to see with with the way the game grows and the way that these the young women keep getting better. It's going to be awesome to be able to see them go out and attack the course. And man, a Walker Cup there is going to be so great too. In in about a decade or so, uh, that's going to be in some some exciting golf to watch. Match play at Oakmont. Was, was was awesome to see. So being able to see it with a little, you know, patriotism on the side too. Whoo! Sign me up, baby. Sign me up. Well, Adam, thank you um, for coming on this, mor- or this morning with me. Um, appreciated getting the opportunity to, to know you a little bit last week. Um, and hopefully we can do it again soon. And I'll be keeping an eye on what you're writing about. And, uh, you know, there's always a chance I'll, you'll be getting a call from me. Absolutely, yeah, Mike. I thank you so much. You know, the pleasure is all mine meeting you. And like I, like I said, I know I, know I grew up in Ohio, but I was born over there in Moon Township. So, uh, you know, Pittsburgh has a has a very soft spot in my heart. That whole entire area does. Being able to spend that week with you and a lot of the other writers, we we had a really fun writers' room the, the last mm-hmm. week. A really fun media center, and you know, being able to you know call Oakmont my office for a week was awesome. Uh, great to meet you. And yeah, anytime you need. Would love to come back on and talk a little golf with you, buddy. It was, uh, it was, it was good to get to know you, and uh, can't wait to talk to you in the future, bud. Okay. Thanks, Adam. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Mike. All right. That was Adam Woodard from Golf Week. Um, very engaging young man. We had a good time last week. All right. It's time for our um, next break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about kids golf, uh, something we haven't done much of this year. But we're going to do that next. You're listening to The Golf Show on Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.